Well, and, the, and I found that your website is worthy of its own attention. That is, in addition to having being a place to find information, but there's some, some good stuff on there, too. But uh, the Appalachian Trail, and I'll have to admit to you that I'm a Bill Bryson fan. Okay. I like uh, his books, his other books as well, but he first, I think, sort of became famous in the United States for a book called A Walk in the Woods. Correct. And, and if I remember, he had... Uh, He's an American, but he he grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. I've, I've read up a good bit on him. As I said, I'm a fan of his. And he lived in England for a while. Uh, he went over there to take a tour and met a lady and got married to her and stayed a while. But they decided they wanted to come to America, and he was decided to settle not in Iowa but in New Hampshire. And one day, some people were walking across the edge of his backyard, and he found out that he was right on the Appalachian Trail. Does that sound like anything that you've ever heard? Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I read the book, too. It, it's oh. a good book. It's certainly a, uh, a funny book. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's a good writer that way. I, I think that his experiences on the trail were somewhat typical, but also uh, somewhat atypical, too. <laughs> right. Well, I, I agree with you. I'm a fan of his, but he, he does find humor in it. Most things, and that's his books are solid, and at the same time he finds he finds humorous way to express himself, at least uh, most uh, the ones that I've read, um, and he's I think pleased that they made a movie of the book, and Robert Redford played him, and he I think he really liked that he liked the idea of that, but the, the okay. book came yeah. out, the movie came out in 2015 I think, but uh, that and the fact that it's become more and more popular. Uh, the Appalachian Trail has become uh, an institution, if not an icon. I, 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 everybody calls everything iconic these days, and, and things do become iconic, but not everything that is that becomes an institution becomes iconic. It's one step up, I think, to, a, to being an icon. But in any event, it's, 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 it's when, certainly when people, yeah, becoming uh, much more popular. And like we said, you know, during COVID, uh, more people are are certainly uh, learning about the outdoors and nature. And uh, I think people who uh, never even really thought about going out in the woods or in the outdoors are now discovering uh, not just their own local trails, but also the Appalachian Trail. I was just uh, reading the other day the, from the Appalachian Trail uh, Conservancy's website that uh, they think uh, there's going to be probably uh, more people out on the trail this year than there have been in, in quite a number of years, and that's possibly because so many people have discovered what a wonderful resource it is. And you can actually go out and, and hike on it, even though the COVID situation, because you, you, you've got a lot of air out there and you've got a lot of over right. It's e easy, to, easy to social distance when you have, uh, what is it, 2,193 miles of a uh, uh, trail to be able to social distance on. Although the, tra the trail itself is still open, although uh, the, some of the shelters and the privies along the trail are still officially closed to people. They're asking people not to use them as a, uh, I guess, kind of a congregating uh, place because uh, they want to keep people socially uh, distanced as much as possible. And uh, yeah, there would be no one to wipe them down, and it would be uh, well to stay away from collection for a collecting place for germs. But right, I, right. 
but one of the things that I found your book very helpful for it was it was a uh, didn't take too long to read it, but it, I found out all a little bit about the history of the of the Appalachian Trail. I had no sense of how, how old it was, how long it had been around, and so as we uh, if it take that walk that I suggested earlier uh, through uh, the Appalachian Trail and thereby taking it through your book. Now, of course, don't tell everything that's in the book because we want folks to go out and buy the book, too. But uh, we want to get a sense of, of uh, what the, the trail is like and in, in the different regions that it passes through. And we will start doing that with your permission in just a moment after we take a break. hear us and also streaming. Uh, tonight we are preparing for the spring and it's about time to take take a walk. And we have a book all about the Appalachian Trail, a book that's geared toward a younger audience, uh, those between nine and ages nine and 13, but it's by a uh, distinguished author of books for, for both the adults and younger folks, uh, Leonard Atkins, who uh, and he's going to be talking with us tonight about the Appalachian Trail. And uh, I thought I would ask that Leonard in the beginning to, to take us, well, I'm not quite sure where it was, but uh, I know there was a man named Benton Mackay involved in, in the early days uh, to the time when the Appalachian Trail idea began to, uh, to come to fruition and uh, to talk about what, where the idea came from and where it started and how it got started. Leonard? Sure. Yeah, well, the idea, actually, we are, uh, this year is the 100th anniversary of uh, Benton Mackay's uh, proposal for the Appalachian Trail. He, he wrote an article in a magazine uh, proposing the idea of a long-distance trail in, in the eastern part of the state. And I think he was a pretty far-sighted guy uh, in that he had said, in the America of the future, and of course we are the future he was talking about, he was saying the America of the future, the United States, eastern United States is going to be almost basically one big city from Boston all the way to Atlanta. And uh, he said people who live in such a heavily urbanized area would be, would need a place to sort of step back and take pause from the cities and have a place to go back to nature. And that was his idea uh, for the Appalachian Trail. So uh, he proposed that in 1921, and then just a couple of years later, the first few miles of trail uh, that were built specifically for the trail were built in uh, state parks in New York. And amazingly, uh, just 14 years after that, the entire trail was completed all the way from Georgia to Maine. in 1937. Now, how was how was it completed? Uh, how, uh, what, and who owned the land? And who who took care well, of those kinds uh, of you things? Know, lots of times, people. It is now uh, the the Appalachian Trail is not now a part of our national park system. Okay. So it is our longest, narrowest national park in the country. Uh, but back then. It was started, and I have to say it is still almost exclusively uh, conceived, built, and maintained uh, almost exclusively by volunteers. Uh, It was volunteers that went out in those early years in the 20s and 30s that went out and identified 
places that they thought the trail should go. Uh, they went out and contacted landowners. Now, some of the land that the trail was built on was already uh, owned by the national uh, uh, federal government uh, in uh, national parks or national forests, that type of thing. But a lot of the trail was originally built on private land uh, with the uh, permission uh, of landowners. So when you think that, to me, it's always amazing that in 14 years, these people who had to go out and build the trail with just basically hand tools, you know, picks and axes and shovels and that to hand saws, that they were able to build a, a trail more than 2,000 miles long uh, in just 14 years. I always tell people, uh, to me, we can't, in this modern day, we can't build roads with big, heavy equipment in 14 years, yet these people did that uh, in 14 years all the way from Georgia to Maine. That would mean that the the, the trail was finished that you're talking about there about, what, about 1937? Is that yes, 19, yes, 1937. I think I read in, in the book, I, I know that it appeared in there somewhere, but I have a reason for being interested in this question about is uh, whether or not uh, I know the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps, had a lot to do, and we talked about them a couple of years ago when we talked about the Blue Ridge Parkway. Right. Did the CCC have much to do with building the Appalachian Trail? They, they did in a way that they built uh, some of the trail in uh, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and then in Shenandoah National Park. So it was really, in the grand scheme of things, it was not a major portion of the trail, but they were certainly significant portions uh, going through those two national parks. And I would say that the, they did such a good job that the trail that they built is pretty much still in use today uh, and has had only needed a little bit of minor maintenance to, to, to keep it in good shape. So they, they did a good job uh, with what, what they were doing. He's, my father is, has, been, has been gone for a number of years now, but he worked on the CCC as a young man. With, you know, a lot of, indeed, most, that was a program for young men who could not find jobs and, and needed uh, to make some money to help support themselves and their families, and he was one of those, and he worked on the, on the uh, actually he worked on the Blue Ridge Parkway, but it was near uh, Boone, North Carolina, and North Wilkesboro, up at the upper end of the Blue Ridge Parkway before it turns into the, isn't it the Skyline Drive or something like that in Virginia? Yes, yes, yeah. Skyline, uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway goes from uh, Shenandoah National Park to the Great Smoky Mountains, and then it c continues, the a lot of people think it's the same road, but it continues through Shenandoah National Park as the Skyline Drive. And is the Shenandoah, this is kind of an aside, the Shenandoah National Park, I could have gotten a map out, but I thought, well, I'm going to have Leonard on the radio with me tonight. <laughs> I can just ask him, is it in the valley or is it adjacent to the valley or what? It's in the mountains. It, it, it uh, is on the crest, uh, just like the Blue Ridge Parkway. It stays on the basically on the crest of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Okay. It, uh, it, and the Blue Ridge, of course, is kind of the uh, dividing line between the Shenandoah Valley to the west 
and the Piedmont uh, area of Virginia. Right, I think you identified one place that one drives down Interstate 81. They're just about following the, the line of the of the, the, the Blue Ridge Valley, the Shenandoah Valley, anyway. Right. Um, you one of the first people that that walked uh, pretty much or maybe all of the length of the Appalachian Trail, and we'll talk about some of those in a moment. I know I remember that you said that he started out at Fort Oglethorpe, and I said, well, now I know which end that he started at and where, where he was, because the name Oglethorpe is always identified with the state of Georgia. Right. And that's right. where uh, the... It, 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 was, it was Mount Oglethorpe, Mount where Oglethorpe. the trail originally started. But that's uh, that's where there is the end is the one end of it. I guess we tend to think, and most of the, the, the time we think of it, we are going south to north, and it begins there. But it can, you can actually begin at either end of it, I guess. And, sure. Well, you but, can also begin in the middle. And and does Mount Mount Oglethorpe is that where it begins now? It does not. Uh, in the uh, several year, uh, decades after it was established in Mount Oglethorpe. Uh, some uh, uh, development started happening uh, around the mountain, and, and uh, trail maintainers and supporters felt that it was kind of interfering with the uh, uh, the wilderness uh, feeling of the trail. So it was it was moved to Springer Mountain in Georgia, uh, which was uh, uh, several miles east of where where Mount Oglethorpe is, and that's where the trail. The southern end of the trail is today. Now, in building the trail, did did, did I, I guess there was a consistent policy, even though it was built in pieces by different groups and at different periods. I mean, you point out that the first section that what was to come to trail was actually built in western New York, but was there any policy of we're not going to we're not going to come in contact with towns, we're not going to be on uh, asphalt roads or anything like that? Uh, well, I, I, the idea was that it was going to be a footpath through the woods. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I think in the early days, uh, they, they tried to make it as a wilderness trail as much as possible. And uh, that's why they were looking for national forests, uh, national park lands, and uh, even going through some state park lands in order to to keep it as isolated as much as possible. I know that reason. That, that is still continuing uh, even to this day. Uh, even though the trail was completed in 1937, it has been moved and removed and relocated many, many times. And the trail that you and I walk today is a much different trail than those people that... Uh, walked the trail in the 30s or 40s, or uh, the first fellow that uh, uh, hiked the entire trail in the late 1940s, Earl Schaefer, the trail he did is uh, uh, much different than it, uh, uh, than it is today. Even the trail that I hiked when I first did the trail uh, several decades ago, uh, it has been relocated uh, a number of times. And one of the reasons was in the 60s and 70s, uh, a lot of that private land that I talked about that the trail yeah. was located Can we, can we on. stop right there because we're coming up on a time sure. mark here? When we come back, let's talk some more about some of the times that you've walked the trail. 
Okay. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Leonard Atkins. The book is all about the Appalachian Trail. 933 at WPTF Radio, AM 680, FM 98.5. And uh, this is the point in the Tom Kearney Show where we usually promo upcoming shows. Uh, tomorrow night will be our Friday night trivia program, and it will be general trivia tomorrow night. Monday night, uh, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Nick Petro from the National Weather Service about spring weather and uh, being prepared for uh, bad spring weather and uh, and good, too. But uh, that's on uh, Monday night. And my brother Stephen, I think, is going to be on with us on Tuesday night to talk about uh, women and uh, their position of power or not power in the movie industry. And so we we'll hope you will look forward to that. Tonight we have a very special guest, a gentleman who was with us a couple of years ago, and he has authored a book primarily designed for young people, 9 to 13 years old. But as I said at the beginning of the program, I've read it, and I find it has a lot of basic information that that I, that I needed. It's called All About the Appalachian Trail, and the gentleman, of course, that we're speaking of is Leonard Atkins. And Leonard, you were talking about uh, the trail and how it has been moved and changed and so on from the times that you first Walked on it, and in a few minutes, sir, I want to get to the point where we can ask you to to talk some about the, the things that happened to you when you have walked walked the trail. But uh, the trail was designed. Then you're saying, I want to make sure I got this right to really be a walk through the woods, a, a, a view of nature, as it was expressed between North Georgia and uh, sort of North Central Maine, as a, as a matter of fact. And and one of the things we probably ought to do is to at least in a very, very easy way, do a kind of a geographic lining out of where the trail actually runs for those people. Do the best we can on the radio, in other words, but uh, to establish where the trail leads for those people who are not quite sure about it. Okay, well, it, it, it starts in uh, northern Georgia, like I said, uh, Springer Mountain in northern Georgia, and there's about 70 miles of the trail in, in Georgia. It enters North Carolina, and then swings a little bit uh, to the west to go through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, runs along the North Carolina-Tennessee border for, for uh, about 100 miles or so, enters Virginia, and Virginia actually has the uh, largest amount of trail uh, of all the states that the trail passes through. There's a little, a little more than 500 miles of the trail in, in uh, Virginia, it enters the trail near Damascus, Virginia, and then goes through Mount Rogers uh, National Recreation Area, which is a kind of a, a, a unique place that a lot of people have kind yeah, of... Yeah, talk about, talk about that a little bit, because I was quite taken with the idea of the ponies there. So. Yeah, it, it kind of, I was going to say, kind of reminds people of... Uh, maybe the Continental Divide uh, and, and the Rockies and that there's uh, wide open meadows for, for many miles. And they're actually one of the things that ma makes you feel like you're uh, out west is, is the wild ponies that uh, graze in those meadows. Uh, those ponies have been there for many decades now, and uh, they're, they're kind of allowed to, to roam free, although the... Uh, there's a local organization that watches out for them and, and makes sure they're taken care of and they're, they're healthy. So it, it's just to 
me, it, it's a great place to, to go hiking. It's got uh, just about everything that makes uh, hiking worthwhile. You're high up in the mountains. You've got 360-degree uh, views uh, time and time again. Uh, you drop down into some rhododendron tunnels. Uh, you have waterfalls. And, but, but that's the whole trail. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I'm describing just one place, but, but the whole trail has has all those good good things to it: waterfalls, uh, vistas, flowers, wildlife, uh, hike, hiking the trail. You know, and you and I always talk about like we're we're hiking the entire Appalachian Trail uh, through people who are called through hikers that doing the whole trail. But we have to remember that that. Millions of people come to the trail every year, and those are the main users uh, of the trail. Day hikers, maybe overnight uh, camping overnight, or may, maybe uh, hiking for a week with your family. And they get to experience just as much as uh, those who hike the entire trail. They may not have the change in scenery that a person that's through hiking the trail does, but they will get to see the flowers. They will get to see bears, foxes, coyotes, uh, bobcats. So just about anything we have in the east, as far as animals go, you're probably, possibly, shouldn't say probably, possibly going to see some of those on a, on a hike on the trail. But you don't have to do the whole trail. You, you might plan to hike from some point in, say, North Carolina to some point in Virginia or or hike the part that's in New York State or whatever kind of terrain or whatever is convenient for your geographic situation, whatever you have time for. That's right. That's right. Even though, like I said, I've done the whole trail five times, uh, I certainly uh, spend most of my time uh, doing day hikes or an overnight or if I'm lucky to, to be able to get out uh, and do a week-long trip. Uh, and I think that's what most people experience. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to be uh, an adult. That's one of the reasons why I, I wrote this book. Uh, you don't have to be an adult to go out and hike the trail. There are uh, many, many families uh, hike the trail, again, just as a day hike or as an uh, overnight hike, or there have been families that didn't even hike the uh, entire trail together as a family. In fact, just uh, just a few years ago, I think it was in 2017, we had the youngest person to ever uh, do a complete trip of the a Appalachian Trail. She turned one years old <laughs> on the trail as, as she accompanied her parents on their three hike of the Appalachian Trail. So it can be accomplished by anyone. And the oldest person that we know of that did the trail as a, as a three hike was 82 years old. So you're never too old or never too young. In, in traveling the trail and walking the trail, um, one of the things that, that a person, particularly a beginner, say like me, would be interested in is... Uh, Accommodations, and by that I don't mean that you're going to stay in a motel or anything, but there are some some sheds and things that have been built for people 
to, to spend the night in. And there are places I was going to mention earlier before we took the break that there's one town in western North Carolina, I think, where for a very brief period, if I remember correctly, the Appalachian Trail runs literally down the main street. And yet, that's yes. the place where people stop and uh, bunk out and take showers and resupply and do things like that. Right. The trail, uh, you're talking about Hot Springs, uh, North Carolina, and the trail does go right down Main Street. And there's, if you want to stay uh, in- indoors, of course, you've, you've got motels and hostels. Uh, hostels are uh, places that cater to hikers and are usually uh, like maybe a bunk room or, or shared rooms that, that, that are a uh, little less expensive than uh, uh, staying in a motel or a hotel. So you've got, you do have a few towns like Hot Springs, North Carolina, and uh, Damascus, Virginia, where the trail runs right through the uh, middle of town in Damascus, Virginia. And then uh, there's also a town in Pennsylvania, Duncannon, Pennsylvania, uh, that the trail uh, goes right through the town, too. But, there, you know, there are even places right on the trail itself that you could actually stay uh, indoors and be treated to a hot shower and a nice warm bed. Uh, as we were talking, uh, Shenandoah National Park has Big Meadows Lodge and Skyline, uh, Skyland Lodge that are uh, just a few steps off the Appalachian Trail. So you can stay there and get a nice restaurant meal and take a hot shower and get out of the rain, refresh yourself that way. And then in, in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, there's a whole set, uh, a string of what are called huts, the White Mountain huts, uh, that allow people to actually, you can hike from hut to hut and don't have to carry a tent, don't have to carry heavy gear. Uh, they are bunk rooms that, that people sleep in, but uh, they'll get you out of the weather. Uh, the uh, people in the huts, they will feed you breakfast and dinner, so you don't have to carry any extra food. So, so there are some places that you can kind of live in luxury right on the trail, too. Now, White Mountain, is that the, where the weather really gets kind of, Kind of uh, intense sometimes, if I remember correctly. Is yes, that, in uh, fact, uh, uh, on uh, Mount Washington, there you uh, go, in New Hampshire, it had up until recently, it had the highest uh, recorded wind spring, uh, wind speed in the world, uh, and I don't remember exactly. Two hundred thirty-one. That's that's the that, number. I, I, wrote, I wrote it down. <laughs> All right. I, I was going to say 200 and something. I didn't remember yeah. exactly. Well, I didn't mean to jump in, in there, but I, I did. I said, we're gonna, I'm going to ask him about this. I think it was that, that wind speed was uh, recently within the last decade or so. I, I think Australia recorded a wind speed a little bit higher than that. But I certainly wouldn't want to be standing on Mount Washington at 230 <laughs> Miles per hour wind speed. When you're walking the trail, you uh, well, we've talked about it. We're going to take our final break then, and we'll have about a quarter of the program left. And when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the kinds of uh, 
geography and, and, and that we're exposed to and that, that what you, you walk through in Georgia and North Carolina is different from Virginia, is different from New York. And when you get up to to uh, to Maine, I, as I remember, is it Katahdin? Is that the name of the mountain? Is that where it ends? Katahdin. I'm a Henry David Thoreau fan, and I think he, he climbed that or made, at least made a trip there. And, uh, he did so make a trip. He didn't make it quite to the top, but he did make a trip there. Yes. Okay. Well, they, but you're touching little pieces of history along the way. Yeah, as well as the, the nature. Uh, his name is Leonard Atkins. He has a book. It's out. It's new. It's aimed at people nine to thirteen, but it can be profitably read by adults. I think it has a bibliography that will kick you into other books that you might want to read if you want to explore other subjects. It's entitled All About the Appalachian Trail, and it's available at the usual places that you get books. And we'll be back to talk about. Uh, uh, the differences in different parts of the trail and finish up our program right after this. Again, tomorrow night will be trivia night. We're going to be talking about springtime weather with the guy from the National Weather Service on Monday night. Tonight, our guest is uh, Leonard, uh, not, yes, Leonard Atkins and uh, his book all about the Appalachian Trail. Leonard, there were a couple of things that I had written down that I wanted to, to ask you about. Uh, that I thought we would like to kind of turn to now. Number one is uh, the animals that one can see along the, the trail if if one is lucky. And number two, some of the other activities that one can engage in while uh, proceeding down the trail other than just purely hiking. Okay. Okay. Well, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, even just uh, you never know what you're going to see uh, out in the woods. Uh, you may go for days and not see anything other than a squirrel or, or, or maybe a deer. But the possibilities uh, along the whole trail, uh, we have along the trail have just about any kind of animal uh, that we have here in the east. Black bears, bobcats, coyotes, foxes, raccoons, porcupines. Uh, although porcupines, uh, uh, they tend to be a little more... Uh, found more in the, the uh, I'd say, the more northern half of the trail. Uh, and, of course, we have rattlesnakes and copperheads and all kinds of lizards. Uh, and then as you get further further north, you might even run into a moose or two. That's what I think I would like to do is run into a moose. Uh, I, I tell you, they are impressive animals. As, as I wrote in the book, it's kind of interesting when you go out on the Appalachian Trail, you you can run into animals that weigh less than a half an ounce, or an animal that weighs almost as much as a small car, <laughs> like right. like a moose, which it, which is uh, can run up to uh, 1,200 pounds, uh, and they are an impressive thing to to come around the corner of the trail and see one. Uh, uh, out in the middle of a pond or lake in New Hampshire and Maine, it, it, it's just a very impressive sight. You know, something before we go on to the next subject of other things that one might do uh, in the three minutes that we have left, I do want to say something, and that is virtually anything that you have talked about here on the radio show tonight is developed in this book that we're talking about. So uh, uh, that's uh, something that folks might want to know all about the Appalachian Trail. Now, 
other things than hiking along the Appalachian Trail. Well, that's one of the things that, that I wanted to bring out uh, in the book, especially for children who may be hearing their mom or dad talking about going out and walking four or five miles through the woods, and the kids are going, well, gosh. I've... But there's so many other things you can do. You can fish. You can swim. If you are a swimmer, the Appalachian Trail just has tons of places along it to fish in a lake, a pond, at the base of a waterfall, uh, just tons tons of uh, swimming, swimming possibilities. You can watch butterflies, cook on a camp stove, uh, even make s'mores. I mean, that's what better thing to do after a, a day of walking to sit by a campfire and uh, Melt, melt your marshmallows and chocolate on a graham cracker and have some s'mores. Wait a minute, I, want, I have to tell you, I have never eaten the s'mores, and I've been doing, talking <laughs> to my wife lately about how this can happen before I die. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to make it happen. I need to make it happen. I mean, that may, may put me on a, I, I don't walk as well as I used to, but I may have to get out on the Appalachian Trail one way or another. And uh, Anything else you want to cover along those lines? Uh, well, just uh, that you never know. If you're laying there and looking up at the stars, you might get to see a shooting star. Uh, and as we talked, uh, there are tons of places along the trail that you're actually walking through American history. Uh, you walk through Civil War battle sites. Uh, you uh, uh, walk through Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, which was the site of uh, not only John Brown's raid, but, but uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were there. So, so it's not just a walk in the woods, which is my favorite thing to do. But when you're walking through the woods, there's so many other things that you can experience as you're walking through the woods. Well, the, I, I have noticed I'm a reader, and as I said, I, I said to you. I, and our listeners, I'm a fan of Henry David Thoreau, and I think there's a kind of uh, feeling today, the way the world is going, that we need to, and this has been going on, this is in, in fact one of the kind of things that produced the Appalachian Trail, that we need to grab a hold of nature and hold on to it a little bit and not become completely, I guess the word would be denaturalized or something like that, and, you know, it's away from nature, so we... And, and Americans like John Muir, and I know you know who he was, and Theodore right. Roosevelt and others, and some of these people that founded the Appalachian Trail were people that uh, wanted to provide for that. Leonard, we have run out of time tonight, but uh, I want to thank you for, for being with us, and this was your second time around. Maybe there will be a third uh, along the way, because you seem to be sprightly and are, are still walking and still writing books. So. Uh, I am, and I, I certainly appreciate having you on, uh, you having me on, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you. Leonard Atkins, uh, the author of uh, All About the Appalachian Trail, available at your bookstores online and the usual sources.